This is Rosen Institute's Your Law Firm, covering management, marketing, finance, and new technologies for growing your law firm. Here's Lee Rosen. It's good to be with you today from Belgrade, Serbia. We've been making our way in a rental car up from Albania into North Macedonia, over to Kosovo, now up to Serbia. Interestingly, we were unable to enter Serbia from Kosovo because Serbia does not recognize Kosovo. So had we entered Serbia from Kosovo rather than from North Macedonia or some other country, we would have been inside Serbia illegally, not having passed through a recognized border. The politics here are complicated and make travel a little bit trickier than usual. But this region has proved to be a very welcoming place. The scenery is beautiful. The cities are terrific. We've had a great time touring around and eating food of the Balkans. Based on our experience so far, I would highly recommend a trip to the Balkans. We've had just a wonderful time driving around, and we've still got plenty of time left to spend here. It's time for your tech tip. I'm a big fan of the predictive typing features in Gmail and Office 365 for responding to emails. I like the idea of letting my email application find the right words to communicate a pre-written response. I appreciate the feature that allows me to quickly and easily respond to an email at the click of a button or two. Back in the day, before these pre-written responses were built into the email applications, I had a tendency to respond to emails with a single word like yep or nope. I treated email more like a messenger product, and that was often perceived as abrupt and rude. I had to force myself too often to type out a lengthy response so that I delivered my message a little more gently and politely. But now, with the help of the software built into these email products like Gmail, I can deliver more words without having to actually think about or type those words. My email correspondents get a kinder, gentler version of me, and it doesn't take me any more time. So I love this feature that takes care of responding on my behalf. You can go further with this. Products like Lightkey.io, they take the artificial intelligence up a level and they will write even more complete responses for you. Instead of a word or two or three, they'll provide you with paragraphs of text anticipating what it is that you might have been planning to say. These products make it pretty clear that we won't be needed for much longer and that our email response bots are going to be conversing directly with the other person's email response bot, and we can simply watch them have a conversation while we go sit outside and have a coffee. The future is coming fast. In fact, it may already be here. So the likelihood is good that you now have in your email the basic functionality of this predictive typing. It's built into the product that you're using, unless you're using one of the third-party email applications that 
doesn't fully incorporate all of the features. For me, I'm using Chrome with Gmail and it works like a charm. I'm picking and choosing responses and they're mostly just what's required. If you're not using these writing assistants yet, then it's time for you to let them do more of your work. Make sure that you're getting access to the features that are already available in Gmail and in Office 365. Outlook Desktop, it gives you full access and you may decide that you want to go further and level up and check out products like lightkey.io so that you'll get the full impact of predictive response technology with even more complete replies. This technology, it's good. It's ready. It's something that you can use right now if you're ready to let your software respond to your emails instead of you having to take the time to do it. That's your tech tip. And now for your moment of concise advice, you've heard the advice to stop using your email inbox as a task list. The productivity gurus, they advise you to get the messages out of the box by reading them or responding to them or archiving them or whatever it is that's appropriate for the emails that you're receiving. Letting your emails pile up, it makes no sense because before you know it, your inbox is is overwhelmed and you lose control. The inbox becomes a big mess that is basically unusable. The bottom line is that your email box is really good for one thing, for sending and receiving email. It's not a task list. It's not a calendar. It's not a reminder app. It's not a document storage system or anything else. Your email box is for email. And some would argue that email is not a particularly good way to communicate, that it's something you shouldn't use all that often. Some folks prefer Slack or Microsoft Teams or some other messaging system with a more real-time instant feel that is less formal and, at least for some people, more effective and efficient. I'll tell you, for me, that's my bias. I like messenger apps. I prefer that to email, and I use them to communicate with lots of people, but everybody has their own approach and different technologies are appropriate for different particular use cases. You do you and use whatever's working for you. But today, I've got a bit of advice for you that goes beyond that idea of limiting your use of email to email. I've got a suggestion for you that will allow you to take things further if you really want to get that email thing under control. I'm going to suggest to you that you create for yourself an artificial constraint. Google and Microsoft, they've taken email and they have removed nearly all of the constraints. They give us the giant email boxes with endless quantities of storage and a multitude of features. We do use our email boxes in lots of different ways that go way beyond email. But what happens is that our email boxes fill up and they become something akin to our attics or our basements in our homes. Our email boxes get loaded up with 
gigabytes of old email and attachments and images and junk. It's a lot like the junk that's stored up in the attic, the old clothes and the old toys and the old sporting gear and exercise equipment. And I could go on and on. We all suffer from this collection of stuff that gets piled up everywhere in our storage spaces. Well, you know, when I gave up my home, it took me months of trips to Goodwill to empty our attic before we could go live in hotels and travel around the world. Well, your email box is in much the same condition as my attic used to be. When I was up in the attic cleaning it out, I found some scary things in there, and I hope for your sake that that's not the case in your email box, but I'm willing to bet that it is. There's some stuff in there that would scare you to death if you could remember that it was in there with those thousands of emails that are piled up. So what about this idea of artificial constraints? What am I talking about? Well, you know that artists and designers, they learned long ago that constraints are a plus, not a minus when it comes to creativity. You've seen artists impose constraints on themselves. For instance, poets will limit themselves to a certain number of words, to a certain format, to a certain length in order to maximize their creative potential. The same is true in many fields. There are limits sometimes artificially imposed, sometimes imposed because of the reality of the situation, but limits encourage creativity. They force us to get things together, to make things happen, to build something great within the space allotted. Having unlimited anything, it makes decision-making harder, and it has the effect of limiting creativity and of breaking things. Food is such a good example. Too many of us, when it comes to food, we fail to impose constraints and we let ourselves run wild. Well, the consequences of unrestrained eating are obvious, especially when we need to squeeze into an economy seat on an airplane, which is something that I have to do with great frequency. Limiting yourself, it helps you to find better solutions in life and at work. Limiting yourself, constraints, they are a plus in many endeavors. Too many options, too many choices, too many decisions, that all tends to negatively impact the quality of our results. So what am I talking about? Where am I going with this? Well, today I'm suggesting an email constraint for you. What if instead of unlimited everything, like you've got with Gmail and Office 365, what if you went with strict limits? What if you imposed limits on yourself in order to find order, to create the discipline, to bring things back to a manageable state? What if you decided to reject the Google Unlimited box and you decided to impose a constraint on yourself? For me, that constraint became 100 emails in my box. 100 emails, no more. Now, I'm not talking about 100 unread emails, which too many of us have. I'm talking about 100 emails all in. That's my limit for my box. I've 
forced myself with that limitation to keep my box neat and clean and orderly. That constraint imposed on me the discipline that I needed to make my email box manageable. My 100 emails, that's the total, including everything, everything inside labels or folders as they are called, no more than 100 emails, including the saved emails, including the trash. I limited myself to 100 emails, and I'm suggesting that you do the same. Clean it all out. Keep it clean. Use the constraint to force yourself to find a better way. Now, I know that you'll find lots of reasons to stick with unlimited email. You'll argue that it's a reference source and that you might need the emails later or that having the emails gives you something that you can use as a go-by or a sample when you need it. Or you'll tell me that the emails are proof that you need in a malpractice case or that the email helps you to respond to a grievance or a person disagreeing that you said one thing or another another in particular. I understand. I had arguments for why I needed all of that stuff that was piled up in my attic. We've all got reasons to go with unlimited everything. We don't like to impose constraints on ourselves. But the truth of the matter is, when something's important, when we really needed it, when we thought that there was a legitimate basis for saving it for the future— We don't toss it up in the attic in that giant disorganized pile. We also don't toss important emails into that giant disorganized email box. If we really need something, we put it somewhere safe. We put it somewhere where it is protected so that we can find it when we need it. When we need to save our passport, for instance, we put it in a special place in our house. We don't dump it up in the attic. We put it in a special drawer or the safe in the back of the closet. We don't put it in the junk pile. And the same is true of emails. When it matters, when it's important, we save it in our document management system or our practice management system or somewhere else that we have designated for important emails. 100 emails, it's a small number and it's a random constraint, but it works for me. I find a way to get the work done without letting the emails spill all over my inbox. I force myself to keep it under control. That constraint that I've imposed, even though it's artificial, that constraint has helped me to get things under control. You know, my attic had a limit. It was probably 1,500 square feet, and I found a way to reach that limit before I started taking things downstairs and delivering them to goodwill. In retrospect, I wish I'd limited myself to a small portion of the attic to use for storage. I didn't need to use the whole thing. There was no reason to let all of that junk pile up up there. Well, your email box is a lot like my attic. It'll only be under control when you decide that enough is enough. So today, I challenge you to draw that line at 100. If you need to pick another number, then go for it. But draw the line. Impose the constraint. That's your moment of concise advice. Wrapping up from Belgrade, Serbia, thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. I hope you have a great weekend and an even better week next week. Keep plugging away, moving forward, getting things done. You're on the right track. You'll get there. I promise. We're all in this together, and together we build better practices through better marketing, better management, and better technology. Until next time, I'm Lee Rosen. Thanks for listening to Your Law Firm. 
Visit rosensrules.com for our free course on the 10 critical rules all successful law firms follow.